So here are the nominees for Best Picture. And the Academy Award. For best picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to And the Oscar Goes To, a podcast about best picture nominees from years past. Uh, this second season that we are that we're on now, season two, season two. Uh, this mini season, mini season, mini series. That sounds better, doesn't it? Mini season's not a word, so yeah, maybe yeah. go with the word. Uh, the second mini series is on the 2017 Oscars, celebrating films released in 2016. We start with Haxel Ridge last week. Mm, we did, yeah. And uh, this week we're looking at Denzel Washington's directorial debut, Fences, which is a film that follows a working class man and his family in uh, 1950s Pittsburgh. I am not alone. I like, I, I like <laughs> to kind of build up to this as though it's a reveal when this is a, it's a two-handed podcast. Is it? I mean, like literally both of our names are right there on the, yeah. on the byline. Uh, my name is Stephen so- McKinley Henderson and I am... Um, <laughs> I play Bono in this film. Uh, yeah, he plays the lead singer of U2, Bono, <laughs> in the film Fences. Yeah. Is it a byline? Or is it, are we arti- Are we the artist of this uh, artist of this podcast? I don't know, because on uh, Spotify, well, the, I guess we'd come under the Because you're the producer category. who kind of talks sometimes, and I'm the I'm the, the, host talent. The, I'm the host of the You're podcast. the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're the star. Yeah. Yeah. People come for me, but they say for me as well. <laughs> but they only get to hear it because, because of me. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, my, my point is that I have a, a co-host with me. Uh, you can tell by the way he walks. He's a woman's man. No time to talk. It's Joel Abraham. You can tell by the way that I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. You actually didn't call me ever faithful. Have you been unfaithful? or uh, To you? No. To anyone else? You made any... <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say, just like, you're going to choose Reveal. this. You're going to choose this medium to make a confession. Uh, also, no. No, you haven't made any other podcasts with anyone, so. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be picked up. You were really trying to sort of yeah. move, it, like work on your, your vocal talent yeah. there, were you? But You could do a signboard. Do you want to do a whole, do do a whole signboard? Because that'd be quite good, actually, because I could just drop those things in, you know? Are you going to need some examples of sounds to use? Well, you just did a nice gulp. Was it, was it loud enough? I don't know. Okay. Probably, yeah. I think so. I heard it. There we yeah. go. Yeah. That's drinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's my two sounds. <laughs> that's, that's the only two sounds you ever make. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Christ, this has been a... This has been, a, this has been an open, hasn't it? I mean, we've, we've just... <laughs> you've chosen to confess on the podcast to being unfaithful to someone. Although that is a mystery still. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to tie that up at the end? <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone that knows you is like, oh, my God. <laughs> Is it me? What's going to happen? How many people can you be unfaithful to, really, other than like a partner? And a podcast host. And a podcast host. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you call it? Um, poddultery. I guess, right? It'd be pod- poddultery. There's going to be no chance for that because we're actually breaking up on mic right now. Okay. Uh, so, Fences is based on a play. Yes. August Wilson wrote a play in 1985. It was, well, premiered in 1985. I think it was written a few years before that. Yeah, he got the... Oscar nomination for the screenplay because the screenplay is literally yeah the so uh, uh, script for the play and then it had its first um, first Broadway run for the play Broadway first Broadway run for the this play is going well so the far. first Broadway production of Fences uh, had James Earl Jones in the in the lead role as Troy and uh, 
1987 was the first run that it did, and he won the mm-hmm. Pulitzer Prize for okay. drama. It yeah. won the best, like it won the Tony for best play, best new play. I think it won Tonys for best actor and actress, and then a bunch of other, you know, like right. all the yeah, Tonys. Yeah. So it's part of like a like a ten play series. Yeah, it's called the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Cycle, yeah. and it, I think it's like each play takes place in a different century oh, okay. from 1900 oh, really? through yeah so Different there's decade. one in 1900 and then one uh right up into the 1990s right that's okay. 10 right um and so yeah each one takes place in a different thing and i think there's like there's some references in them to characters that are, they kind of technically all exist oh, okay but they're not actually it's like the mcu yeah i mean it really i think the mcu is mostly based on mm, august Wilson's cycles work yeah. uh so yeah and he he so he won bunch of awards and then they revived the play in 2010 this time with denzel washington as troy viola davis viola davis viola davis wow <laughs> i can't get my worms out mm-hmm. um <laughs> what <laughs> get my worms in a puddle oh. right so they do the play yeah they get the they win the tony for best revival play yeah so almost every they also win the Tonys for Best Actor and Best Actress yeah. again. So, I mean, every time it comes out, it just wins awards all over the place. Yeah. Pulitzer's, Tonys, all sorts. And every, that iteration of the play has the same cast almost entirely as this film. Yeah. So he just picked up what was essentially on stage while he was on stage mm-hmm. and just put it on stage. So the, uh, August Wilson had resisted um, the play being turned into a film in the past oh, okay. because he stipulated, he was like, it has to be done by an African-American director. You know, yeah. like it, it, that's that's who this is about. Yeah, um, that is the the world that I am investigating, and that's the culture that I'm kind of bringing to life here. It has to be done, yes, like yeah. that, which I I think is perfectly fair, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, I I I think that that's quite a big part of all of the Pittsburgh cycle plays. Yeah, um, and just a lot of August Wilson's work in general. So, but anyway, so Denzel Washington comes in, I guess. I mean, he, he. I guess he likes it because also it gets him a Tony, doesn't it? So I think he's. I think he's quite fond of it. He's fond, maybe. Of it. So August Wilson died in two thousand and five. Yeah, right. So he got but, a posthumous Oscar nomination. Yes, and well, he is also credited as the screenwriter, yeah. which just goes to show how little the the movie changes. It is literally August Wilson's words. Yeah, pretty much line for line. I had no idea this was a play before I watched the film. Mm-hmm. I, within three minutes, I knew it was. Yeah, Clearly it's very, play. yeah, very theatrical. Yeah, there's a lot of like dramatic monologues. It's clearly just a Greek, Greek tragedy. There's what, like three locations. Yeah, if even that. I think the first scene is outside the house. Is it, out, o- is it, outside it opens the... with like a tracking shot with them on the back of the garbage truck. And everything else is. And either then they get in the house. house there's one or... scene at the near the end of the uh, um the bar, where yes, he, yeah, when he sees um, Bono again. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, it literally all takes place. Mm there uh, yeah it's weird like there's a certain feel as well that uh stuff has on stage where you have things that are kind of like they're p- part of the um backdrop kind of like part of the mise-en-scene but they also kind of then act as props and yeah kind of just sit there on the on the stage the whole time and then okay. some, you know and like i kind of felt that with the uh the baseball on yeah. the tree like you can almost always see it in the background of shots or and then at some point you kind of see a character interact with it i don't know that all just feels really like how yes that yeah. works in a play i don't know so i don't i've never seen it i've never had the chance to see it um i'm quite i've watched this I'd like i think to. i would love to look, go and see the play mm. rather more than watching the film i really like this film yeah you're into it um 
yeah, it's got a, it hits like a couple of keynotes for me. Like I love a father son right yeah uh, storyline. Um, and I think the first half, which is mostly just Troy talking about how great he is. And yeah, and how like life's, mystical stuff he's done. Life's kind past. of shit on him. And... Yeah, but there's also he makes himself out to be like a hero of his. The own dude life. wrestled death. To be fair, yeah, he did wrestle death. But there's there's some great points where he says like, I, I said this. Rose asked me this question. And I said this fantastic thing about how baseball was my number one. Yeah, love, but we're both gonna. Out, if you stay with me, we'll both outgrow it together. And she said no. She, she didn't say that. Yeah, he said I'm your number one, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like how he's like clearly spinning tall tales that yeah. are like sort of true, but he's like embellishing them. Yeah, he's making his life into a myth and becomes a sort of huge presence in everyone's eyes. Yeah. Because he that's what he wants to be. That's how he wants to see himself. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it translates fantastically to cinema. No. I don't think it does. Uh, no, that is my main reservation with the film. I do think it, it's good. Um, as the film goes on, I get maybe you're su- this is supposed to happen, but Troy just started to kind of get on my nerves. Uh, I think it kind of started to annoy me a bit. Like I, I get what they're doing with the character, but yeah. he's just so unendingly negative about everything, and it just like started to kind of get on my nerves okay. a bit. Um, I think the way it's written is. Fantastic. I think August Wilson has managed to capture the voice of like working class yeah. people uh perfectly. Um that just the way they talk to each other, the way they tell stories. And I think Troy, particularly as a character, like one of is one of one of those people that will always likes to kind of spin a yarn and be the 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 orator, you know. Yeah. Like he's trying to kind of and he's like dominating the conversation and kind of running everything. Like, I definitely think that's a type of person that exists. And mm-hmm. I think the the script and then Denzel's performance with it. Denzel Washington is really good. I think like, the whole cast is fantastic. Everybody's really, really good. Um, like Viola Davis, I think is. Tr- yeah, tremendous. she and she won, she the, won Oscar the Oscar. Yeah, for best supporting actress. Uh, yeah, I think she I was think best so. supporting. She's um, kind of. A- She's kind of a co-lead, I suppose. Um, I I, this is Troy's film. She's a supporting yeah. actor. Um, yeah, he's the titular character. He's the he's the fence. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you then... didn't want to run with that. <laughs> Where am I going with that? <laughs> I don't know. You started off. That is a joke that I've I've just I've tested out. <laughs> And only realised halfway through that it's not even really a joke. I've just called a man a fence. <laughs> it's actually quite an offensive joke. <laughs> no, I'm not a fan of that. They're applauding. Are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, offense is a type of person, though, right? Offense is a, a person that sells uh, so stolen, stolen goods. goods. That's not what he does. It's you, you're going to keep okay. You dig into it. What else do you mean? What's the other layers to your joke? Uh, and yeah, but I think Viola Davis. I think Viola Davis is probably the strongest performance in the film. Yeah, but it's kind of hard. I mean, like, I think she's fantastic. Those two are the just—they're both just great actors, and it's like that—that's kind of the appeal of this film. It's like, hey, we've got this play written by a really good writer, and we're going to get—you can go see Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, just yeah, kind of Be just fantastic. own it. Um, it feels like an homage to the play, rather than mm, trying to make a fantastic film. It felt that they wanted to yes, um, just put this play on screen and just. Yeah, uh, almost, sort of raise, almost raise awareness display, for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think, and I, 
I think that's fine. I think that obviously they don't they barely change the script at all, which it, it does show a level of respect for the work. Yeah. And I think that's completely okay. Um I'm really it's very impressive how many other how many of the other actors managed to come across so well, considering you think in a lot of productions like this, like Denzel and Viola Davis could could just suck up all the oxygen, which yeah. is how good they are. But actually everybody else manages to properly put their stamp on things. Yeah. Um and yes, uh, Stephen Stephen McKinley Henderson. Stephen McKinley Henderson, so good as Bono. I love his face. Like he's got, like, just even, whenever he's on screen, I can't really not look at him. He's yeah. got one of the most interesting faces, um, and he's got a great voice and just the way he holds himself. He's just like you, kind of just I almost just want like another film, like a little spin-off just about oh, him. Yeah. I just think he's great. Maybe there's another one of the plays. Maybe he's got one. Of yeah, them. maybe him and Lucille. Um, I think uh, Lions, played by Russell Hornby, mm-hmm. is, yeah. uh, is so good. He's not in, he's in probably three scenes. Yeah. But he just, he wants his dad to come and watch him play yeah. um, down at the bar, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And he's just, you can just see all over his face how desperate he is for his father's approval. Yeah. Um, I think he's fantastic. I, the, he was in the original cast. Corey, who is his other son. The son, yeah. Son with Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, was not from the original play. Right, he's new. Yeah, as is Raynell, his daughter. There's not many Yeah, other. I mean, you'd imagine yeah. six years ago, she probably wasn't. She was probably like one. <laughs> yeah, she's not very old. Yeah. Um, Michael T. Williamson plays Gabe, Uncle Gabe. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. The very unsubtly named Gabriel mm. character who yeah. communes with St. Peter yeah. on the reg mm-hmm. and opens with a rusty the, trumpet. Yeah, and he opens the sky. He does open the sky with an actual angel. Didn't like that. I wasn't a fan. No, I mean that is probably one of the slightly more heavy-handed bits of. Uh, Do you think when he blows his his trumpet and the heavens and the, open for Troy? Yeah, but I just mean his entire uh, inclusion. Like he's called Gabriel. Yeah. He constantly talks about how he's chasing off the hounds of hell. Yeah, you know, uh, like, yeah, okay. I think maybe I get what this character's there to kind of represent. I always thought Michael T. Williamson was Michael Space T. Space Williamson. No, it's Michael T. His name is Michael T. Yeah, it's a little tidbit. So. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. I thought it was like a like a Reginald yeah. D. Hunter kind of situation. Reginald D. Hunter was the first one you went to. Not like John F. Kennedy or. Yeah, I think, but that's because. Um, I remember hearing Reginald D. Hunter at some point say about how he didn't have a middle name. He just... Oh, okay. Just jumped in. It was like his mom or someone said that, that it would make him sound more posh. Yeah. Um, like when he, If he was going to go off and do comedy, he needed people to take okay. him seriously. And the best way to do that was just to add an initial. Like that. Or Homer J. Simpson. Yeah. His middle name is mm-hmm. J. Um, so, you know, the cast is excellent. Uh, and I don't think this works with... Uh, I can't think of it. It literally people. lives or dies. It, I exactly. mean, it lives or dies based on its the fact that it's a well written play. Yes. The fact that the script is good, but I mean, obviously, that's a given. They wouldn't be making it if the uh, the play wasn't any good. I yeah. Suppose. And then, yeah, it kind of lives or dies on the ability of the actors to deliver those Absolutely. words. Yeah. Um, that was, and I remember reading about how Denzel Washington kind of approached how he would speak to the actors, and he basically said, like, any decision that you make it has to come from the words. Like, okay. It, you really any decision that you're making based on your delivery based on your what your read is on this character you go to august wilson's words and move from that kind of like drag from that as your inception point um so again you can sort of tell just how much like respect he was paying to the source material it clearly meant a lot to him but it's acted like a 
play. That was my, mm-hmm. this is what takes me out of it. But the mm-hmm. first half, especially the first 10 monologues that uh, Denzel Washington gives. Yeah. They f- there's no gap. There's no spaces in between interruptions. It's every line is delivered exactly as the previous time finishes. And it's quite, it's just something that I haven't seen on, on a screen before. Yeah. And it felt very much like it was being delivered. It was delivered to us as if it was a play. Yeah. So that's what we wanted. He wanted to make a play, but wanted everyone to see it, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, that is probably my biggest reservation with the film. I do not know that it needs to exist. Like, I think that it is a, a play that has been done. It has been very well recognized. Um, I, I don't, I think if you're going to adapt something into a new medium, you have to justify that adaptation by, uh, through the use of that medium's strengths, right? If you're going to adapt a novel, that's why so many like so many movies are so different to the novels they adapt, but that doesn't necessarily make them bad adaptations. Actually, I'd say sometimes a perfectly straight adaptation in which you're not able to recognize what needs to go or what, you know, what needs to be heightened, that kind of thing. I'd say that is close to a bad adaptation Like you can't just take a a novel or a play. I don't think and go, okay, here is the, the finished Mm. product. Let's just literally map this scene for scene onto a film. And, uh, this feels like it exists as a play and it is suited to that medium. So if you're going to do it, there's, there's something that, I mean, I'm not a, uh, I wasn't enamored with, um, is it Tom Hooper, the guy that did uh, the Les Miserables film? Oh, is it? Uh, but I, I think that's his name. I could be blanking. Um, but I felt as though that at least did quite a good job of taking something which obviously is a theatrical production. Um, most well known the musical being a theatrical production i know obviously it's yeah. novel originally but it, it felt cinematic yeah and that and i don't know that fences feels cinematic and i guess something okay it may be a little bit easier to find cinematic potential in something like les mis because you've got bigger set pieces you've got a, like a huge you've got much larger scale in terms of backdrop setting all that kind of stuff but it something doesn't necessarily need to be overly dramatic in order for it to be cinematic it simply needs to fit the medium of cinema and I don't know that Fences does anything to really justify its like recreation as a film. And I don't think he wants. I don't think he tried to. No, I don't think so either. And the th- only cinematic piece is when I think when just before Troy is about to die, and he makes a speech into the. He looks directly to the camera. The camera zooms in, and he goes into a big wide shot mm-hmm. of his face. Uh, that's pro- I think probably the only time that there's a. I like the. Cinematic uh, there's a nice shot in the bar when he's talking with Bono and then he's and then he like goes to leave the bar and stops and then they kind of by the door and then they share a few more words and it shoots it with Denzel Washington sitting at the bar and then um, Stephen McKinney Henderson mm. behind him but in the mirror so you can uh, still okay. like I yeah. kind of like the way they shot that um, I thought that was really nice because I, I think kind of just fun to th- sort of think about how, how you got to set that up it's yeah. quite a precise kind of blocking for that scene in order to make it work and that kind of felt a little bit of a cinematic way of doing that. Yeah. You know, I guess that's kind of what I'm talking about. But there's, like, there's, so, there's so little of that. But they, it seems to be all at the end of the film as well. This, the first half feels like a... Literally like a direct... It's like they like, put a camera You might as well put a camera in the audience. Yeah. Um, and the second half, it gets quite a bit more cinematic. And so... And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be faithful. And I can understand wanting to treat the source material with that respect. My problem is I think it dampens the overall effectiveness of it as a story yeah. because a 
There is a feeling with theatre, and it is very unique to theatre, being that it feels like a singular experience. Yeah. Um, I know, obviously, they do two shows a night, seven nights a week or whatever. So there are obviously recreations. But any given production on that particular night with that set of people doing it that way in that playhouse, that is only happening there. And if you're in that audience, like, I just think there is a kind of atmospheric feeling that you get, which is that I am a part of this. I am witnessing something which is only happening now. And anyone who's not here, they may see a version of this, but they are not seeing this. Yeah. Now, that obviously, cinema is completely different Cause it's to that. Yeah. Um, and so it almost doesn't have that intensity of the theater in that same sense. And so I, I think it just kind of... and I, I'm struggling to really put into words why the, the effect that I think that has but it just takes a little something off of it yeah for me and I kind of think now I'm in a way I'm glad that it's been made into a film because like I say it's been done in the UK a couple of times uh, supposedly Lenny Henry is very good in the 2013 revival mm -hmm. um, and and I dare say it will be done again it kind of feels like one of those plays that is destined to be you know, revived and, ha and put into production various places. And so maybe I'll get a chance to see it someday, but maybe I won't. And I haven't so far and having, I, I suppose technically I would have had a chance in 2013. I probably yeah. had the, uh, the ability to go see it, but didn't know about it. And theater is just by its nature, less uh, accessible than film. That's, I think that's half of the point you half of the reason you made it is mm -hmm. that it's expensive to go to the theater. It's difficult to get to. It only really works if you live if you anywhere live. near Broadway. Yeah. So, in order to take this story into the masses and the people that I guess it was designed to be seen by, mm -hmm. that's yeah, that's this good. is the the only way that's going to be easily probably the easiest way to do it. Like that's that. a good point actually, and I guess there's almost it's probably not something we're going to go into now, but there is maybe an, a conversation to be had around kind of like the gentrification of things like this by putting them in yes, big productions exactly, on Broadway yeah. and hiring people like Denzel Washington and then probably charging people fifty, sixty dollars a mm -hmm. ticket even just to sit in the stands you know like it's uh especially considering very clearly who it's supposed to be made for yes um i think that's i think that's a really that is a good point but i do still feel as though that if you're going to do that it's still worth making it a good film first and foremost and i, yeah. I don't think that it's a bad film because i think it's a very good play but i think that it's a very good play put on screen so that does not make it a very good film there's a feeling when you're in a theatre as well that these lines are being delivered to you. You, There is a... It's just air. Between you and the person saying mm -hmm. it's just air. There isn't like a screen in the way. Mm -hmm. Which is what makes... A lot of what makes the medium just entirely different. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work. You don't... I don't think we feel the full force of what... Troy no, Max no, I think there's say. also... Yeah, like you said, and there's a... There is that tactile third dimension yeah. to the... Um, you know, we should have 3D films. That'd be Fences great. In 3D. Just to make it more like the original. Um, there is that kind of tactile third dimension to theatre um, that you don't... And it kind of... It flattens it and I, mm. in kind of every sense of the word, I think, by kind of putting it yeah. on film. Um, and so I feel as though... Also, I tend to find some of the stuff that you can maybe get away with, or not so much get away with, but... Um, are very effective in theatre, don't translate so well 
So there are certain um, maybe kind of metaf- metaphorical uses of the... There are certain um, kind of like passages in the film which I feel as though would be a lot more powerful if I was in the room. Stuff like Troy opening the window and shouting at the god of yeah. death, uh, shouting out at death. Um, that feels very theatrical to me and yeah. not necessarily in, uh, not in a good way. I think that would really work in the room, but I think it feels a little bit hackneyed on film. Um, and imagine that someone else performing that. that that's what I think, like, if without Denzel and um, Farrah Davis, this would fall flat. I think Rose's monologue, mm-hmm. where she says, I am your wife, I was stood by you for 18 years. Uh, I think in a theatre, that would be incredible to watch. I think it was fantastic. Yeah. But I think that has a power in theatre that doesn't quite translate. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's probably a lot of the conversations in the backyard, especially when he's sort of mouthing off about how his life is a legendary thing that people should uh, try and emulate him. Mm-hmm. Is this what he wants from his sons is to be emulated. And I just think if I went to see this and I would happily go and see if I could get a chance to see this, I would. Yeah, I definitely I I see it. I mean, if anything, maybe this is like the best the advert for a play. Exactly, yeah. But that is, that is perhaps the, you could say the groom's, oh God, what is wrong with me? You could say that is the film's greatest strength and it's kind of, greatest weakness i'd say it very it clearly is it is a very good advert for a play but if the best if the, the, the biggest takeaway you have from seeing a film is hey i'd love to see this done a different way yeah i don't know if you can necessarily say that film is an out and out success i think it is maybe a uh a, a passable maybe passable is too uh too harsh but it is a, a an acceptable recreation of something which is better delivered elsewhere or in yeah. some other medium. But I don't think that that is necessary because I think there are probably, you know, there are plays, there are novels that have been turned into films and then have stood on their own, at, you know, great films in their own right. And I don't know that this I wonder how many achieves that. I wonder how many there are that aren't musicals. What, from plays, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, music, not, I think I'm not very good on theatre. The musicals so. can translate quite well, especially because there's the... Like the songs have maybe is a bit easier to uh, convey, but like dramatic theatre, I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, um, I actually don't know. I wouldn't. I don't, don't exactly have much of an exhaustive yeah. list to hand of like things that were originally plays. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. Musicals, I guess, have that thing of. There's also you can sometimes almost do more with the music with the numbers in yes, a film exactly, because yeah. you've obviously got so many more effects that you can kind of play with, and I think that is often the the kind of thing they fall back on uh, in order to make up for the lack of presence. Yeah. There's something about seeing a musical number. You know, you don't care that you can see the wires and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter. But yeah. that would obviously matter in a film. And so what they do is kind of up the spectacle of the thing to make up for the kind of lack of presence. But there's not really anything you can do that with in a something like Fence. Or maybe, maybe there is. Like I think maybe it's maybe... Uh, but too much to say there's nothing you can do, but there's nothing in this film that yeah. does that. And it really doesn't want to at all. But there's, I mean, there's every Shakespeare play that's been made into a film has probably been, every Shakespeare play probably has been made into a film yeah. at some point. Yeah. And half of them work and half of them are poor. But I'd say the ones, a lot of the time, the ones that work are the ones that kind of, I like the more, not so much loose adaptations, but 
fresh adaptation. Romeo and Juliet is like a shot for shot remake of what Shakespeare intended. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was what he saw in mm, his mind. Yeah. Um, they just didn't have the budget at the time to put it on in the globe yes. or whatever. But yeah, like something like that, it does recreate something in, it kind of recognizes the difference between the mediums that they're, they're designed yeah. for. It also, I suppose, recognizes the difference in time. Like it's kind of going, hey, this is yeah. old. Like but this is not quite relevant now. But I like, like I, I think Roman Judas. Great. I think it's fantastic. But there's, I mean, there's scenes in that where it takes an adaptation, like it takes a scene and says, this is a different take as in uh, Romeo's off his face on some kind of upper in this mm-hmm. scene. And that makes this like, that adds humor and that adds a dimension to the scene that wasn't there in the original, couldn't have been. Just this doesn't want to do that. Yeah. That's all. No. Which is, uh, I think is a decision they made and I think it's fair. Yeah. It just doesn't make me love the film. So the film starts with um, Troy and Bono talking about the fact that he they can't he can't be a driver yeah because they wouldn't allow black people or people of color i guess any any non-white to drive the trucks Mm -hmm. he later overcomes that barrier and he becomes the first black man to drive the truck um doesn't turn out to be a fantastic thing for him no and i think that that though is maybe my point with him being so overwhelmingly negative all of the time yeah it starts to grate on me a little bit because he is actually like so spends the whole film talking about how he was great at baseball yeah um so obviously this is still this is before they merged the or when he was playing anyway baseball was in would have been the late 30s 40s right so before they merged two leagues and they allowed yeah. people of color to play in the MLB. And so you had the Negro League was right. Literally they, they had the I think it was the Negroes League of Baseball or Negroes Baseball League or something was what it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh and he suppose by all account like the idea being he was like the best basically. Well he says he was the best. He says he was the best. Yeah. Um but so does Bonner actually. But you kind of later find out that actually maybe the fact that he was black wasn't even the main contributing factor in him so not going pro. Old. It was that he was too old. Mm. And I think this is, I think Troy is a person who tells himself a story. He's got a narrative for his life. And it, everything ends up, and it is then becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah. But obviously it's kind of, you can't dismiss it entirely like that because he is living, he is a African-American person living in uh, 1950s Pittsburgh. Like there are obviously certain blockades in yeah. his life. Um, but he, every, like he, he definitely brings that narrative to everything and it just completely, um, infects not only him, but the people around him, Everyone right? Him, yeah. Like he cannot accept this idea of his son ever. He, he, I think it's a case of he, he cannot comprehend the possibility that his son could become successful in football. So I think he genuinely believes when he says that you shouldn't do it. Yeah. He's making the right choice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think in this isn't about someone who is a great person or a uniquely terrible person. And Rose says at the end, like he did more good than bad. And that was what, or he intended to do more he good than bad. He intended to do more good than bad. I mean, whether or not he achieves that, I suppose is Depending kind of left you to decide. Yeah. Um, but he, he thinks he's a, and I think it's sort of confirmed by everyone around him. Like Bono seems to worship him for a while. Yeah. Uh, and Rose almost seems to, 
but by the end, you kind of feel as though everybody has become a little bit disenfranchised. Yeah, exactly. Him, you know, they've 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 kind of lost. He's lost that. I mean, I guess his son doesn't worship him in the same way that the others do. Yeah. But he, his whole thing is, I'm not scared of you anymore. And so for almost everyone, like you say, in, in some capacity, he holds this kind of mythic importance in yeah. their lives. But over time, that starts to fade away. And kind of what's left is just a cantankerous, like bitter old man. Like a human, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, so I guess maybe it's a case of like, it is kind of a, you, you people aren't myths, you know, yeah. no matter, even those people that you maybe hear kind of mythic stories about, they yeah. they are still just people at the at the end of it, right? So he makes like he makes sort of mistakes, but he is like incredibly charismatic. He has something to say about literally everything, yeah, uh, that's ever happened, presumably. Yeah, um, he so he had a he's a murderer, I think. Yes, so he, he was a he would mug people and rob yeah. people and stuff, and he ended up killing somebody in a kind of robbery that went well. Yeah, he was beaten up by his father. He ran away he had one son mm-hmm. um killed someone went to prison came out and met rose mm-hmm. and rose is vada davis's wife of 18 years she is her whole being has been put into being his husband yeah when that's her the point of her character is that she what she says she says i gave you so much room that i didn't leave enough space for me yeah um and she talks about how she had you know she has wants and desires like maybe she, she might even enjoy you know affairs that kind of yeah. thing but she pushed all that down because his face when she, she says put, that and he's yeah. genuinely realizing for the first time that she that he isn't worshipped in exactly the way he thinks he is it's not easy for me to admit that i've been standing in the same place for 18 years well, i've been standing with you i've been right here with you troy i've had a life too I gave 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. Don't you think I ever wanted other things? Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? What about my life? What about me? Don't you think I ever crossed my mind to want to know other men? That I wanted to lay up somewhere and forget about my responsibilities? That I wanted someone to make me laugh so I could feel good? You're not the only one who's got wants and needs. But I held on to your toy. I took all my feelings. My wants and needs and dreams, and I buried them inside you. I planted a seed and watched and prayed over. I planted myself inside you and waited to bloom. It didn't take me no 18 years to realize the soil was hard and rocky and it was never gonna bloom. But I held on to you, Troy. He is kind I of held you a bit of an archetypical male character in that sense. Isn't yeah. He? You know, I think you see that kind of man has been recreated in yeah, art, course, and yeah. you see them in life all the time mm. as well. These people that seems to feel as though they are so singular that only they are the ones that you know they can rules don't apply to them in the same way yeah. they do to other people because of who they are mm. and actually that is it's quite a powerful moment of him being like wow yeah. oh okay so like there are other people deal with this shit and they actually just deal with it whereas like for him it's almost like he's give, he's letting himself off the hook yeah i couldn't believe his approach to the whole <laughs> The whole thing with his affair. Like when she's like, are you going to stop seeing her? And he's like, no, because it makes me happy. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. yeah, but that that's not a lot. Like, that's not fair. You're not allowed yeah. to do that. Yeah. But he just doesn't, he doesn't understand. He doesn't no. see that there is a, 
a dichot- he sees everything in black and white and he doesn't see that there is uh, any kind of dichotomy. Yeah, I mean, all. and he's, and in a way, he absolutely does see everything in black and white, kind mm. of race included, yeah. because, okay, yes, he is living in a time in which you, you were like severely um, under, what am I trying to say? Your like prospects were severely dampened yeah. if, if you were kind of a certain color. But as people in the film keep saying, like things have changed yeah. and they are changing. And obviously, you know, we sit here now, 60 years removed from the events of the play and things obviously still have got a long way to go, but have also come a long yes. way. So those characters are right. Mm-hmm. Like, and even they, they talk about the fact that there are um, people of color playing baseball at the time that they're having those conversations, but he just will, re- he refuses to see it. Like he almost clings on to segregation. Away which, every, yeah. But it's, I guess it's one of those things where it's, it's, you can also understand why that would happen because he has been treated so poorly mm-hmm. through that history that he he's just kind of, he's like beyond the idea of forgiveness. He's like, like, okay, no, I'm done. Like, yeah, I just accepted that this is what's happening to me and I'm going to kind of be bitter about it. But also, you know, he is, I guess this is kind of where, like he says, he's trying to do more good than bad because his reaction is just to put his head down and get a menial job, which most people probably wouldn't want, but it allows him to put food on the table. Yeah. Uh, there's a few, I guess it's kind of a segue. I don't have loads to say about the film as itself. I've got, uh, there's a few lines that I think are incredible. Yeah. There's, um, Rose says, when she's talking about her once, and that, Troy like doesn't understand when he's first realizing that she has once. She says, "I took my hopes and my wants, my dreams, and I buried, I buried them in you. I planted them in you. Before, and then I found out you were, um, you were hard, you were rocky, and uh, nothing yeah, nothing was growing in that yeah. soil or something. Yeah, and that is genuinely one of the heartbreaking moments of this film. Mm-hmm. There's the he's talking to, I, mean, I guess it's not lying. That scene when he's talking to his son and his son challenges him. Yeah, uh, and there's a fight, and it feels like you genuinely wonder at that point, has this guy broken? Because at the beginning of the film, I think you sort of are enamored with him. He is charismatic. He is, um, you kind of, you kind of believe his own myth. And then yeah. by the end of the film, and he's, you think, is he actually going to strangle his son until he dies? Mm. That's, that's a possibility. Yeah, it does, genuinely seems as though, like that, especially the fact that he's been drinking as well. You sort of think, yeah. that, like, he, he very easily, like his inhibitions are lowered to the point now that, and I think Denzel carries that as well because you can see it in his eyes that yeah. that is, not I off the like, yeah it's not yeah. completely out of hand that that might happen and that's what his own his own father beat him up until presumably he could have died mm-hmm. and it's sort of a is this becoming a a, a cyclical thing yeah and I, and I think yeah, I guess maybe that's kind of also what the film is exploring as well is how these things can turn into cyclical yes. problems you get people from kind of disadvantaged backgrounds that grow up with so much adversity and then they eventually just get beaten down by it. And so they kind of pass that bitterness on to their descendants. Right? Yeah. And it just kind of keeps going. And at some point, something has to break the cycle. Um, but it's because, like, I think the the the, the film does a good job of uh, allowing you to understand Troy, even if you don't agree yeah. with what he's saying. As, as so, especially as the film goes up, because like I say, you start off fully believing and thinking he is a mythical, fantastic guy. Yeah, and then you we get disenfranchised with him mm-hmm. uh, at the same time as the other characters. In the yeah, film. possibly. I think some of them are already there, but um, there's also one line when he says to Rose, 
every night I fall on you and I try and blast a hole into forever, <laughs> which is the best line in a film that's ever been. I think. Yeah, that is good. He falls on her. Yeah, falls on her. And tries to blast a hole into forever. Mm -hmm. That's magic. That. Yeah. It's romantic. Mm. That's all I've got to say about that. Okay. You just wanted to yeah. give that a shout out. Um, so what what role do you think the fence plays? I actually don't know. Why do you think it's called fences? Because there's the first, the only people who actually talk about fence in any kind of metaphorical way is Bono when he says... Some people build fences to keep people out and some people build fences to keep people in. Uh, yeah, well, Troy also mentions the fence when he's shouting out the window at death. Oh, he does? He says, I'm going to build this fence and then that that's, you know, that's going to keep you away. Like, yeah. no one else, when you're ready to come and take me, me on the front not, door. you can just come and knock on the front door, but don't be sneaking up on me and, like, take someone else. So I think that's kind of, that ends up being what Troy sees the fence as being um and he then builds the fence right he finally yeah. builds the fence i think it's telling that he only finally builds the fence when he's decided that it has some symbolic like yeah. relevance to him when i think for rose she's been trying to get him to build this fence for years as a way of keeping her family together she sees it as being and I think she sees it the same way. Like Bono says, some people build fences to keep things out and some people yeah. could build them to keep stuff in. She wants the fence built for both of those reasons. She wants the fence built to cement her family and keep her family where they're supposed to be and keep them all together. Yeah. And she mentions about how they all had different parents and stuff yeah. with her and her siblings growing up. And I think that's all. she doesn't want that. Like She wants to quite literally fence her family in and say, no, this is who this we is are. Yeah. Nothing goes out. So we don't go outside of the family which Troy obviously has been doing. Yeah. Um, but also to just keep them safe, to keep kind of outside forces out. Um, and the, But the fact that he has neglected to build that fence, despite it being important to her the whole time, kind of is telling in terms of the, the dynamic of their relationship. I yeah. Think. And it, 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 he only gets the kick up of the ass to build it when it means something to him. Um, and I guess he is a person that is, he, he's, he never actually gets around to building this damn fence, but he's putting up barriers between himself and his family, between himself mm -hmm. and his sons, like all the time. So I guess that's maybe, that's maybe why yeah. I think it's called fences, I suppose. <laughs> Cause it's also fences, you know, fence, like with, yes. a do with a dollar sign. <laughs> yeah. It's fences with a dollar sign. Yeah. I've not seen the original fence. Yeah, the fence one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then it was, um, and uh, then the sequel's fence, fence cubed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fence two hyper fence. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, I do think that there is something relevant to the fact that it's called fences. But there's only one fence. Like the the physical fence is being built throughout it and kind of yeah. runs as the motif through the thing. There is only one, but there the, the film is titled with the plural fences because it's about the yeah those those emotional fences that he puts up to kind of keep keep everyone out keep everyone out yeah. Do you think that, so his brother Gabe, mm -hmm. Uncle Gabe, mm -hmm. who is... The Angel Gabriel, yeah. Yeah. Who is like a Shakespearean full-time character. Yeah. Do, I don't know how well that translates onto the film. I, That's a little broad, maybe. Yeah, and he... Uh, so, but I think he's there as to show, partly to show a human side to um, Troy. 
Yeah. And also then show his sort of, I guess, demise in our own eyes. So we, yeah. at the start, we see that he looks after him. He took him in when no one else would. But then also as the film goes on, we see that he kind of used him a bit for his... His own gain. His own gain. He took his army money to buy his house. Yeah. But he now calls his own house and doesn't let anyone, doesn't want anyone else to... Uh, and he's very, uh, very particular about calling it his house as well. When he talks yeah. to his son about how like that's like my roof over your mm. head you eat my food like all of this sort of stuff and you sort of think yeah kind of but it's Gabe's house it should it's, really yeah, be Gabe's exactly. house so it was he says like I put this roof over your head and realistically he, he did. didn't and you can see that's what we eating him up from mm. the inside and also there's a point when he maybe has Gabe um, what's the word I'll say submitted that's not the right word uh, uh, admitted admitted into hospital yeah for some financial i don't know how that works but some financial gain and he denies it because then he can't read he doesn't know but i think we're supposed to think he almost certainly signed that paper yeah to get the money yeah so it just and i don't think at the, in the first hour of that film i don't think we'd have believed it that he did that i think we'd have believed him that he has this narrative about himself that he wouldn't ever do that and he maybe he was tricked into it somehow yeah yeah he kind of hold like he sees himself as kind of a shining moral example yeah. and he holds that very uh very tightly and wears it proudly when actually when you start to then yeah the fact that he used that money to buy the house and he's like been stepping out on his marriage mm. and has made another person pregnant and that kind of stuff, you sort of start to think like there's like cracks begin to show but he, at no point does he ever really back down and admit it yeah so he has this weird cognitive dissonance where i think he genuinely believes he is a completely justified in everything yeah, he's doing but and that, when time, you when he talks to rose about the fact that he's not going to stop seeing the woman he's yeah. like she like when i'm with her i feel happy and she makes me laugh and like i need that and you sort of think that's not good enough yeah like it's not good enough to just completely step out on a commitment that you've made just because you can't and you gotta want to all these things i want to i want to only... yeah and but just to try and justify it in that sense it's like he really does never connect the dots that maybe some of the things he's doing yeah. but yet he's very happy to see how things have uh kind of fallen badly for him and how he's yeah. not allowed to be a driver and how he wasn't allowed to play baseball because of other people's decisions and all of this sort of stuff. And yet he never seems to see himself as being that limiting or negative force in anyone yeah. else's life. That's, and I haven't much else to say about this. I think it's a great film. I mean, great film. It's a good film. I think it's a fantastic it's, play. It's difficult to extract the two. And I think the difficulty is that I don't like the cinematic, the cinematic pieces of the film don't work as well for me because the rest of the film isn't cinematic at all. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, they feel a little bit kind of slapped, like, yeah, slammed in there. And you, and the, yeah, I mean, like you were saying, the, like that, what kind of wide shot. Yeah. yeah. That kind of shot me as like really odd. Yeah. It came out of, out of nowhere. And I was like, this looks different. Mm. And I think that's maybe kind of the, Point of yeah, it? I suppose it, if you use something like that sparingly, it draws attention. Yeah, to it. But I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it was used effectively enough for me to look over the fact that it really stuck out as so being I inconsistent. I don't know how well this film was directed in terms of shots and blocking and decisions made. I think it was directed very well in terms of acting because yes, I think every act, every actor does a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, I also think I think the the actors are. Uh, particularly talented and they've lived in these roles for presumably years doing so this it, twice a day so it's maybe difficult yeah and that, again that's the thing whoever directed the theater production mm. of uh 
with Denzel and Viola in the lead roles. Yeah. Was all the work done then? Are they effectively just going, hey, we're going to get back together and almost do like a reunion just tour. Like thing. we're going to do like, and we're just going to do the same thing, but this time we're going to film it. So we, got, we can stop doing it. Yeah. And then just refer everyone to this version. Um, and so it's kind of hard to, you can't, pr it's difficult to heap too much praise onto Denzel Washington for that because you think, well, a lot of this groundwork was probably laid by whichever theater director mm -hmm. drew yeah. those performances True. out. And of course the actors as well doing themselves. And when you've got someone like Viola Davis, I don't think you have to be a fantastic actor's director to be able yeah. to get a good performance out of her. But uh, yeah, I, I, um, I actually haven't got it written down. I don't know the, the theater director that did the performance yeah. that this cast came from, but, uh, I just, you know, they won Tonys for their roles, so I'd assume they were at least about as good in the... Yeah, presumably. It's not like they've yeah. really sharp, sharpened up. They were absolutely yeah. shite, and they were like, we need to have another crack at this, because this went badly. <laughs> Take two. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe you'd have to probably look to to whoever that person was. Yeah. To kind of praise that elements thing. And, yeah, I guess that's something... And, again, I think this all ties into this thing of, I don't know if this needs to be a film. And I think, I don't know... I don't know how well it is directed because I don't know how directed it it yes, really even yeah. is. And all these people, other than a couple of new additions, they've all done it before. So he was like, "You know what you're doing. You yeah. know like, you've you've been here before. Go out there and do it like you've done." And it mm. doesn't feel like there's much been the the performances are delivered as if mm -hmm. dramatic model, and they are dramatic. And like, oh, I mean, you said before. right at the beginning that you put it on, and within the first within five minutes, yeah, you felt like this feels like a play. Yeah, absolutely. and you weren't someone that was familiar with August Wilson's work. I had no, I didn't, I. Put it on knowing that Denzel would direct a film. And then Milo Davis won the Oscar. That's what I knew. Yeah. And I think that is quite uh, revealing mm. for for really that 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 is just the kind of the definitive takeaway from the film. Wonderful play, like wonderful acting and wonderful writing. Yeah. There's some really great words in there. And there's some really good ideas, I think, being explored, but it's not really much of a film in Yeah. I don't and I don't mind a film not sticking to a conventional structure or anything. I'm happy. No, no, I'm no, no, more no. than happy for them to try adapting plays in a way that you wouldn't normally. No, and I, I, I love to see a film that doesn't look or operate like any other film. Mm. But I'd like, I'd film. like it to do that in a new way rather than just falling back on the very tried and true methods of a different yeah. medium. So what I love about film is that a film can do literally. Anything, it could put anything on screen. It can take any format at once. Yeah. Obviously, there's a structure that a lot of films use, but this sort of went against the grain, but not in a way that I think needed to mm. happen. I think, and I think I, the reason I think this film should be out there is, like I said before, it can get people to see this story that would otherwise not be able to um, to go and visit the theater and see it, or would maybe wouldn't it would be difficult for them. So based on this, basically, mm. do you think this should have been nominated for Best Picture? So Haxel Ridge was nominated for Best Picture. Right, okay. In its class, it's already the best film we've talked about yeah, in this, the two, uh, there this were two miniseries. Films this year. But I don't know that, I don't know there's really any justification for nominating something for Best Picture, which really only serves as a reminder of the power of another medium. Uh-huh. Which is kind of what I got from this. I was like, God, I wish I could see this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge like theatre nut or anything. I, I, I've been to the theatre and I love it when I see a good um, production, as, as I'm sure most people do. Yeah, I'm not going out to see them all the time because, as we've talked about, they're too expensive and difficult to get London, to. So. And yeah, we don't live in London, so I can't. I'm sure there are there. a lot of good plays in Bristol. I don't want to put on any Bristol theatre. Yeah, but a lot of the kind of produ you know productions yeah. like this would probably go in London first. Um, and there's just, there are good productions put on in Bristol, but there's, 
fewer of them. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but that was kind of my real takeaway from this film was how much I would have rather seen it as a play. I don't know if you can give what is ostensibly, and I mean, it's a complete, obviously a conversation in of itself, but like ostensibly the most important and prestigious award in cinematic, the cinematic yeah. industry to a film that kind of just underscores how film is maybe inferior at producing certain effects and certain stories than other mediums. Isn't it crazy to award a... Or not, I know it didn't win. Nominate, but, but yeah, it, I see what you're saying, but also it is... It's a good film and it's incredibly well acted. I don't... And I they were... I, I think, mean, what? So you... Was Denzel nominated as well, I Denzel think, was nominated right? for So lead. Denzel's nominated, Viola wins, It uh, is nominated for... Screenplay. Screenplay. And Best Picture. I guess it's like, how do you, can you, can you nominate something for all those things and not give it the best picture? Not, got but 10... I, I think you, I think you can, because I think yeah, this I think film, so. and they, um, I think the best picture should be a film that is greater than the sum of its parts. And I think a lot of the time that requires very good parts, yeah. which is why you see so many other uh, nominations. Which is why every, other categories. every film that wins best picture doesn't have the best acting and best director every time yeah. there's some that have they often more. will be nominated for those things or whatever because those parts are good yeah but the film for best picture should be come together to be greater than some of those parts i actually think this film is lesser than the sum of its parts which so i, I think yeah no i agree with you there the, the screenplay is fantastic the acting is fantastic all, all of those things put together in any other production should make something mm. that is much more impactful than this as a film and so i actually think it's almost antithetical to the idea of a best picture in a, in a sense and that maybe sounds like i'm throwing proper shade like i think it's quite good but i don't feel as though it's really fair that there's other films that missed out on that nomination for were a film that, many, can, that can't some... even uh manage to utilize its adaptation to a cinematic medium to enhance it in any way yeah were there 10 films nominated this year i think there was nine nine so they had an extra spot they had so an extra spot so i guess they yeah I see what you're saying, but like it's ten times better than Hacksaw Ridge. Like if you're just looking at the best films, as in the films that, yes, are the most enjoyable. It is. Yeah, and I, I, I guess, would say maybe it, was, I did, maybe it might not be my top ten. I will we'll get to that, I suppose. But I still think it, it's worthy of a. Depends what you think a nomination should be. If, if you're trying to take something that celebrates cinema, or if you're just saying what's the what are the best films of the year. Yeah, I think maybe I'm probably getting a little bit too particular with my definition of what something yeah. should be but i do think that there is a very clear formula to how these films get nominated right there are plenty of fantastic films that never get a, a look in yeah and you know we're never going to get a look in that, i mean that um, changes every time black panther got a nomination this year yeah that's true um there's a lot of films that you 10 years ago black panther's not getting in no. like no one's even thinking of those two things in the same book no but this year very true maybe even i guess the favorite was always but the favorite's a strange film and i can't Maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, maybe. I can see that being... Yeah, a bit too... Uh, kind of out there. A bit yeah. too for people, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay. Well, my, my thought is no. If, I, if I'm saying whether I would have nominated this for Best Picture, this would not have been... I don't think... Would not have made a nomination list for me. Yeah, I think I agree with you. But I guess we'll see what our, our top 10 is. If uh, I was going to pick what I'd pick for an Oscar nomination, I would say one of my favourite 10 films of the year and this could feasibly be in that list. I think, I'm, I guess I'm kind of interested to see if Denzel Washington does any more directing though. Partly because I kind of want to see if he can direct because I don't feel as though this is any... I d he didn't make many choices here. Regardless of how, even if you think this mm. film is uh, 
is an absolute knockout and you're in love with it. I don't think you can say, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of Denzel Washington as a director. Like, mm. okay, I've got nothing against The jury is still very much out on uh, yeah. Denzel Washington as a director, I think. I've got nothing against actors directing themselves. I think some people do it very well. Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper was great as a director and, a, and, actor. and an actor. I'm trying to think of other people who have done similar things recently. Oh, recently? Yeah, or actors who have directed themselves. Kevin Costner. In Water Dance of Wolves. Oh, Dance of I've not seen Dance of Wolves. Dance of Wolves is pretty good. He won the best picture for that film, I think. Yeah. Um, people have done it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, most recently, John Krasinski with A Quiet Which, Place. I think, I mean, he's better at director than he is at acting in that film. Probably, say. yeah. I think his performance is fine, though. I mean, mm. I guess um, put most people up against Emily Blunt, though, and I don't think they're going to come out looking. Yeah. Great, it's a, I think she's... that's a well-directed film. I really liked that film. That's one of my favorite films of, uh, of that year. Is that last year? Yeah, I want to say so. Yeah, I really, really liked that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I've got no problem with direct, uh, actors directing themselves. I do sometimes think that there can be, when you are known as an actor and you want to make the step into directing, I think it can sometimes be worth trying to direct a film that doesn't star yourself. Just yeah. so that you are completely out of yes. that. Um, almost just to see. I think if you're an actor who is a director, it's very easy to go, okay, well, I've got at least one role yeah. sorted. I wonder who I'm going to pick for this. Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so I, I can understand why your intuition, like why you would just naturally go that way. Yeah. But I do think that sometimes it can be maybe worth holding off on that temptation and just... To make sure you can direct and can act at the same time. Yeah. Like I think, um, I think Ben Affleck's an okay director, but I think I kind of like to see what he can do Without himself in the roles. Has he not directed a film where he's... Uh, I haven't seen... Is it The Village that he did or... The Town? I think it's called The Town. I haven't seen The Town. Um, but like Live By Night wasn't great. And Argo was... We quiz each other by uh, giving the last line of a film. Uh, and you have to guess what the film is. If you can't get it, you can get a few extra clues. Up to a maximum of five clues. Yep. Or uh, four extra clues. Yeah, you could... Every time you need a new clue, you lose some points. You get five points if you get it on the quote. Yeah. Uh, down to one point if you need all the clues. Yes. Nil point if you can't get it after that. And then you've got a bonus question to see if you can get yourself. Got them bonus points. cues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed that. Sorry. <laughs> we need to um, need to write down who went first last Figure time. I think I'm going to go first this time. Okay. Oh, yes, they fucking do. Oh, yes, they fucking do. Hmm. This is a film I've seen. Possibly. You think? Oh, yes, they fucking do. Is there a comma after the O? I don't know. What oh. does it matter? What do you mean, is there a comma after well, the O? Well, it might be like... We read the screenplay. It might be like, oh, yes, they fucking do. Or like, oh... Yes, they fucking do. No, it's, oh, yes, they fucking do. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, comma, they fucking do. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. Mm, I, not, I'm, I'm not getting there. Okay. It's based on a book. That does not narrow things down. It does. Oh, most things are based on books. That's not true. A lot of films based on books. Yeah. That's why it's the first clue. Okay, yeah, so it technically narrows things down slightly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know what it is. Do you? Mm-hmm. What is it? Because the line before that is, um, nice boys don't kiss like yes, that. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, they fucking do. It's Bridget Jones' it's diary. It's Bridget Jones' diary. If you said it didn't narrow it down and then bang. Yeah, I think if I'd have taken longer on the on the first yeah, maybe. on the quote, I might have got it. That's one of my favorite lines. I, like, it's such a bad line reading from Colin Firth. Like, oh yes, they fucking do. There's no Ugh. bad line reading from Colin Firth in that film. <laughs> do you have seen it? Yeah, it's not on your letterbox, but oh. I figured you'd seen it. Yeah, of course I've seen it. Okay, yeah. So my, I love their fur. Love their fur. Uh, I like that. I think Bridget Jones, the first one, the really first good. one's really good. Yeah, agreed. the series kind of takes a nosedive after that, but yeah, like, Edge of Reason's fine, I guess. Bridget Jones, baby, I do not like. But yeah, one great. I have all the DVDs up there. <laughs> sure, shockingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, first one's good. Uh, my third clue was going to be that they gained twenty five pounds for the role. Oh yeah, when he's famous famously, uh, and then it's going to be a rom com from two thousand one, which should give it away. Who wrote the original book? Helen Fielding. Yes, it is. Four or five points. Yeah, good five points. Good for me. Okay. Okay. This one might be a bit vague. Oh, <laughs> good. I'm so good at this game. I need to be. I need you to level. That's the thing. I, you, I'm so tired of you just fucking smashing mm. it every. As soon as you say the just word, yeah. First word usually. <laughs> okay, your uh, uh, but mm-hmm. your closing line is, "Thank you, boys. Thank you." <laughs> That's not a face of appreciation, right there, is it? Uh, Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. Very nice. Um, your clues were going to be it was released in 1989 the tagline for the film do you know the tagline for the film? it's like Carpe Diem or something? no he was their inspiration he made their lives extraordinary so bonus cue mm-hmm. the the teacher's name is John Keating yep but what does he tell the kids that they could call him Ooh. other than Mr. Keating he says you can either call me Mr. Keating or for those of you who are more daring it's also what they're saying directly before, when he says thank you boys thank you oh is it is it the captain close oh captain my captain oh, yeah, yeah oh captain my captain yeah, yeah. yeah I'll give you that I was gonna four six points I don't think I like that film I haven't seen it in a while okay the last line fuck yeah fuck yeah these have both been quite uh, yeah expletive. quite expletive heavy um that is not great is it Joel that's quite hey isn't it <laughs> I told you it was going to be hard. I don't know if I told you that. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult one. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking longer now because mm. I feel as though I could have. You could have got that. I feel I could have got that last one. I also think in the last one, if I'd have just done it deadpan, it might have been more difficult. I think I'd put a bit of a twinge on it, a bit of a Colin Firth twinge. Yeah, maybe. Well, you put a Colin. Yeah, obviously. That's because I am Colin Firth. <laughs> Big reveal. You're a good Colin Firth impersonator. Yes. What you do is your uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, my side day hustle. job. Yeah. Oh, sure, that's your day job now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> full time. Yeah, yeah. Take it, take it the next step. Big market for Colin Firth impersonation? Uh, we'll see. Not yet. No one's hired me yet. Okay, but, but you've quit your job. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you've got, you've got to like, double down on these things. Yeah, you've got to dress for the job you have want. You, have you ever heard of a Colin Firth impersonator who doesn't do it full time? Um, no. There you go. I can't say I've heard of any Colin Firth impersonators though. Beside the point? Yeah, yeah. I actually, well, to be fair, you've heard, heard of exactly heard of one, one now. 100% of them are full time. Exactly. Yeah. You've got the market tied up. Mm-hmm. You've got a monopoly. So survey says, yes, I'm yeah. going to win. Yeah. I, no, I think I'm going to have to take the first clue. It's a musical. Oh. That should narrow it down a lot, but I don't 
watch a huge amount of musicals. You've seen this one. Just actually trying to think now of musicals that I've seen that also would be likely to have mm. expletives in them. Mm. Uh, it's actually Sound of Music. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I think I'm going to need another clue. Uh, I don't know if this is going to help. It's from 2004. Um, so a musical will come out when I'm 10. I'm guessing I didn't see it then, though. I guess I saw it I later. I think you would have seen it around then, not far after then. Oh, really? I think so. Maybe not. Maybe a bit after. Is it a South Park movie? It's not the South Park movie. No. That's a musical with lots of swearing in it, though. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Maurice LaMarche plays Alec Baldwin. Maurice LaMarche plays Alec Baldwin? Yep. That's a clue. Alec Baldwin is a character yeah, in this musical. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get that that's, that feels like a huge clue, and I'm just... I'm just blanking on... Uh, what? I'm enjoying this more than I thought I ever would. But there, there could what musical would have Alec Baldwin? This is, this is going to be one of those ones where anyone that knows the answer is going to be. You've been pretty close. I've been pretty close. Yeah. What with South Park? Hmm. The last line is "fuck yeah, fuck yeah." <laughs> Do you want another clue? Yeah, go on then. So it's puppets. Oh, Team America. Yeah, it's Team America. I I have seen that, but... Oh, really? I have, yeah, but... I kind of figured that was... I thought that was one of those ones we just quoted a lot when we were, like, 13. Probably, yeah. But I think I'd only, I'd only seen it... I like Yeah, I probably saw it around mm. about then. And oh, okay. it. I don't think I've ever seen it since. I've oh, really? seen it I think Baldwin is the best actor in the world as part of the Film Actors Guild. Right, yeah, yeah. I thought that would be a lot uh, simpler than it was. Yeah, oh, there you go. fair enough. Uh, no, that's quite a good one. So there's one human in this film. Do you know who they play? He's just a bonus cue. Yeah. Who or what is he portraying? Okay. Um, do you know anything? Do you know the plot of this film at all? I know that it's about Team America World Police. Do you? Something to do with terrorism. Mm. Is it they portray Saddam? No. Or Bin Laden? No. That feels like the kind of thing it's they Kim do. Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. Okay. Or Kim Jong-il. I can't remember which one. It might be Kim Jong-il. At the time, yeah. At the I guess time. It would have been. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was a statue of him that they dressed up. A human played the statue of Kim Jong-un. Right, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Not, I'm not, not, not very familiar with that film much at all, to be honest. But I've definitely seen it at some point. Un point. That's awful, isn't it? Awful. Terrible performance. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, you got another one. Um... You just need to get any points and then you'll have beaten me because we're on the same side. Okay, the, line is, one of these. the line is, I'm glad you're with me. That's it. I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad you're with me doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, thanks. No worries. I'm glad you're with me. <laughs> I'm glad you're with me. Okay. I'm glad you're with me. Yeah. I'm glad you're with me. <laughs> we haven't done glad yet. I'm glad you're with me. <laughs> it's not a question. <laughs> you see, this is where punctuation is important mm. and you were making fun of my comma question, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. 
Um, I'm glad you're with me. Uh, it is uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yep, it's Bonnie and Clyde. Is it really? No, it's not Bonnie no. and Clyde. Uh, the, the next clue is that it's based on a novel. Doesn't really narrow it down that, does it? <laughs> Way! <laughs> Uh, it's based on a novel, and the novel is Lady Chatterley's Lover. No. No? Uh, okay, clue number three. It was released in 2001 and nominated for Best Picture. Ooh, nominated for Best Picture. So obviously, 2002 Oscar. So what won that year? Was it like a Beautiful Mind, or was that earlier? Uh, yeah, it might, Beautiful Mind might be that oh, year. Gladiator. Gladiator was 2000. No, he didn't win two in a row, did he? No. I think so. Movie, it's not but, but this would be 2002. Oh, okay. Because the film, the film yeah. was released in 2001. But it's not that anyway, so. It was nominated for Best Picture in 2001. And the film is... Honestly, don't know. It's always, what, seven? I have no idea. Okay. The next clue is that it features, I think, the first, but definitely one of the first fully motion capture performances. Oh, really? One of the first mocaps. So what? First, like fully mocaps in a. It's not. Two Towers. No. Or Fellowship of the Ring. Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that for two. Nice. You just got the thing. What? Why would Two Towers have been the first? I don't one? know if he was in Fellowship. Much. Yeah, they go into the mines of Moria, and don't they? And they just see his like his face. Yeah, true. He's not in it as much. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so uh, bonus question. In the, uh, as we know, Galadriel tells us in the prologue to the film. Yeah. There were uh, a bunch of great rings were made and handed out. Mm -hmm. How many were there? There's nine for the men. I think three for the elves. I'm going to say seven for the dwarf, Lawrence. So that's 16, 19, and then the one ring. So 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes! And you're right, yeah. Three, get, three went to the elves, seven to the dwarves, and nine to the race I've of men. I've seen that film so many times. <laughs> Uh, that's an extra three points for you there. Yep. Which puts you on to nine. So that's nine points for you and six for me this week. I can't remember what we ended last week on. Imagine being a teacher and saying to your kids, you can call me oh, Captain, my captain. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. Yeah. Weird thing. <laughs> weird thing to do. I'm yeah. going to become a teacher and I'm going to do it. <laughs> hmm. Robin Williams. That's good. Yeah, he was real good. Yeah, um, okay. See next week. Second best genie, isn't he? After Will Smith. I've not seen it. Have you seen it? Like no, I haven't seen no. it. It's literally just come out. So Yeah, so I've, I know some people have seen it and they said it was. I'd say it just came out. It's probably not. It's probably long gone from since by the time anyone's hearing this. When are we listening to this? Like, oh, no, not long gone. This will be out in uh, like three months, I think. So the next one we're doing is Pulp Fiction in a week oh. and a half? Christ, yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. 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 Um, so the next film for this miniseries is going to be the Denis Villeneuve sci-fi picture Arrival. Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? I have seen the first half of Arrival. I tried to download it as like a gym film to watch when I was... Right, and then you kind of found then, that it wasn't maybe yeah, the best not, for that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to watch it probably possibly tonight. Very good. Um, I am excited to hear what you think about it because that's a film I really enjoyed mm -hmm. from that year. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about next time. Yeah. So give that a watch and uh, listen to us in a couple See of weeks. weeks. Uh, if you can give us a rating, that'd be good. I suppose United Podcasts for it, right? Me? 
with the people listening. Everyone knows our podcast. Yeah, they're listening they? to, yeah, they listen to podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Do the ratings, do the, do the thing, reviews, yeah. do the subscriptions and that, and the Oscar pod, at and the Oscar pod on yeah. Twitter. We, do we tweet? Uh, I've done a tweet. You've done a tweet? <laughs> yep. Oh, so we're riveting tweeters? Yeah, it's not the best follow, I wouldn't say. But <laughs> <laughs> if people start following us, we'll start tweeting, I guess. Exactly. So it's exactly. a little tease for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to will it into the world. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, join us in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. So here are the nominees for Best Picture. Now that's a proper introduction. My name is Chiron. People call me Little. I've been right here with you, Troy. I got a life too. I gave 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. Don't you think I ever wanted other things? Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? What about my life? What about me? You know, you talk like we ain't gonna get away with this. I've never met nobody got away with anything, ever. The Academy Award for Best Picture. It's fine. People love Argo. I've not seen Argo, but people seem to love it. No, it's like it's um, it's Argo K. <laughs> Good. There we go. You're it's gonna Argo go. K. <laughs> Yep! <laughs> I nailed it! Oh boy! I'm just gonna enjoy this moment. Take it all in. Yeah. I'm just, if we could just wait for. Um... Wait for what? What are you doing? I'm just waiting. I'm, I imagine something's gonna happen. You want an award or just. Yeah, you know, I imagine something's gonna arrive. Gonna the door, yeah. yeah. Stephen um, McKinley Henderson is going to... The Queen's going to come in and knight me just real fast. Just real quickly. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I think we were... Maybe once you get to Argo K, I think that's probably a... Oh, yeah, but we should have ended it 10 minutes before you said that word. Yeah, that's um, probably a sign we you should You can do stop. that. Any, any word that ends in that syllable, you could do that with. Yep. Famous last words. <laughs> Famous last words is a game we play at the end of each episode. Yeah.